I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Danny. She was in a car accident, which resulted in a brain injury and PTSD. Let's talk about it. Hello, Danny. Hello. Uh, so How happy. Uh, we're great. How are you? We weren't just talking Good. shit about grandparents. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not mine. Guys, nope. guys I'm trying to, I'm tr- really trying to get the podcast started. Uh, we are joined today by uh, Danny Smith, all the way from Toronto. Um, and uh, Danny, how about this? Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, who you are, the kind of stuff that you love. The things that you're into. <laughs> to tell us everything. We'll just listen. And then, and then we'll okay. get to the uh, very, very horrific incident that you were, uh, you were a part of not too long ago. Yeah, so I am Danny. I live in Toronto, as you said. Um, I actually am kind of a fraud. I live just outside of Toronto in Thornhill. I don't you know if you've ever been there. Liar. Yeah, <laughs> live in say, the suburbs. Do you ever say GTA? Do you ever go? I'm in the I'm from the GTA. No, I've never said that. I went to <laughs> Ryerson, so I was like right downtown for a while, but I do not miss it at all. Downtown Ryerson. is very like a yeah. Seven years of that was enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that. that my first like week at Ryerson, someone's like, "We're going to Zanzibar," and I was like, "Oh, that sounds fun." <sighs> Isn't yeah. that not very fun? Isn't Zanzibar really far away? Nope. Uh, it is a strip club. No, about, it's very uh, close. A, a stone's yeah. throw from the residence. Oh. I find that any, any well, this is probably applicable to any big city, but li- living in a big city, I always go to Toronto and go, I'm really glad that we're here for like four days. Yeah. And then not. Yeah. That's why, that's what makes it's kind of like visiting New York. Like New York is great for three days. And then after that, you're like, how do I get this layer of filth off? Uh, How much do I have to pay for this uh, 200 square foot apartment? I would love to live in New York City. No, No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. You can't tell me that I wouldn't. We can tell you whatever we want. You love spending time at home. Yeah, in New York City. New York City is the worst <laughs> place to spend time at home. No, I, l- I like going out and about. I know you do, but you also love your homebodiness. Great start that's, to the that's podcast, why guys. So, Great start that's to why work. it would be so amazing to live in work. New York City, because you could just go outside and you could still be so close to home. But I, so I, love, I love this show. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, so, Danny, you, were, you went to Ryerson and you were studying, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, environment and urban sustainability while you were there? Yes. So I spent a lot of time in sewers in Toronto. It was wonderful. But then I did a semester of school in Norway, which was great. So Whoa. it worked oh, out fun. in the end. Hey, I, See, got, I got a question about the sewer thing. Do you, are you familiar with Fatbergs? <gasps> no. What are oh, they? Well, oh my. I won't waste any time, any more time. We're going to get to your story. But I will say, I know that you're listening through the back catalog of Sick Boy right now. And uh, you're soon, get, you're soon you'll get to an episode where we talk about Fatbergs. And it's going to tickle you pink. Uh, it is one of the most 
horrendous things I've ever heard of, and it only exists in the sewers. I would also... I Can't wait. I, I wanted to say, you, you just said that you lived in Norway? Uh, I did a semester of school there, yeah. I did a field studies stint. How sweet was that? Because I would love to live in Norway. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. I love being outside and hiking and all that stuff, so it was like living the dream. Okay, that's something my, else, something my else, own self-interest question. Something else you're going to find as you listen through the catalog, especially especially when you get to like the last like four months of the episodes that we've been releasing, you're going to realize that Brian thinks that everything that everybody else has ever done for a job is what he should have done. <laughs> he also thinks that everywhere that anybody else has lived is where he should be living. Yeah. Um, I just find I, mean, other I would people, highly recommend Norway. You should go. For it's sure. a, I've been to Norway. It's my favorite country I've ever been to, which is why I think I'd like to live there. And also New York city is like probably my second favorite, okay, most yeah, favorite okay, city. Okay. So well, you I'd like can't to live love Norway and New York. Those are yes, polar you can. Opposites. Thank you. That's a, that's the yeah. beautiful thing that makes me you have me. to choose one side or the other. Now, Danny, <laughs> in your third year of university, you had, um, gone through an incident that sort of rocked your life. What uh, what was that all about? Yeah, so I was driving home from a second Tinder date and my car rolled off the highway. Ooh, whoa. Yeah, oh I was God. on the on-ramp from the 404 to the 407. So I was heading home and my car blew a tire and then it proceeded to flip end over end, and then oh. roll through the side of the ditch. Whoa. Oh, that's wait. like a fucking movie. That's a thing? Like when your car yeah. blows a tire? it can do, Because I, I used to have a fear of blowing a tire, and I have popped a tire twice, and it was like both times that it happened, it was like really normal. Like the tire popped and I think it if just you're went going straight, just it's went, much more manageable. Right. And so yeah. I just pulled over and fixed it and it was fine. And that took away my fear of blowing a tire. I mean, that would have been great if I pulled over, but I was going like 120 and probably overcorrected my car and it just took off. No, did it did it flip before you hit the ditch or or was the rolling like was the the change in ingredient and like turning your car, the thing that rolled it. So basically what happened is I was on the ramp for like the westbound 407 and between the westbound and eastbound on ramps, there's a ditch there. And my car went straight down there up the side and then landed on the um, others, like from the other direction on the 404 it landed on like the front bumper and then flipped onto the roof and then kept rolling. Oh so my you God. went onto the other side of the highway. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, just that, like, was it, was it busy? Was it, was it crazy that you didn't get hit by another car or did you? Um, did you? I was the only yeah. car on the ramps. Thank God. There are actually cameras on the ramps and there are, there is footage of what happened. I've never seen it and I don't want to, but my dad has. Whoa! Can you send it to us. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, well, well. <laughs> no, I mean, you don't. You, you don't, don't have to. Watch to but. I'll, I'll touch base with my dad for you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, it. it so it, we do have. Um, we do have photos of the car that you sent. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'm going to bring these up for the guys so they can see it right now. So this is the the damage that was done to the car, oh, that's and not, that's uh, not small. of course, if you want to see what it is we're looking at, go to our our social media, and you'll be able to see. It's obviously like you can see the roof is fucking caved in a bit, the bumper's gone. Um, Whoa! Looks yeah. like every airbag went off in the thing. Mm-hmm. Thank um, God for airbags. 
Do you and window airbags? Thank do, God for those. Do you do you remember this at all, or like what? What's your memory of the actual incident itself? So I remember the entire thing. Um, I remember getting out of the car and standing on the side of the highway trying to flag someone down to help me. And I remember when the fire truck got there, them asking, is the body still in the car? And then oh. after that, my memory kind of goes blank. Oh my whoa. God. Whoa. Does your memory go blank? Because like, were you, I guess you stayed conscious. Yeah. I was the conscious whole the whole time. Obviously my head got hit in all directions in the car. My mom actually had a shovel in the back of the car that came to the front and also hit me in the head, which was oh. not great. Oh my God. Oh. Yeah. Did you, did you sustain any injuries? Um, so I had a fracture of C4, which is in your neck. Um, and then apart from that, I just had, you know, glass all over my body. There's glass in my ears, which is the most horrible noise that I've ever heard in my life. Like the little pieces rubbing together was terrible. Oh. Um, and then they removed like glass from my hands. There's a, I, I, uh, this is old news for our listeners and very old news for Brian and Jeremy. Uh, I got hit by a car riding my bike a couple of years ago. I was wondering how long it would take for this to come well, I mean, it's Yeah, a that's not ideal. <laughs> it's a natural, it's a natural thing to bring up in a conversation. That's what I was wondering how long this. it would take. And, uh, and, and, and something that the glass part for me was also like something that embedded in my mind. It was the, yeah. it was the color. It was like the, um, the how shattered when how a shattered windshield goes like powder blue when it's spider when it like spiders mm-hmm. and that that was like it was the that out of the corner of my eye because I hit the windshield that stuck in my head like crazy and the um and then the glass and I'm wondering if you had this as well I had glass in my arm <laughs> that oh yeah this that, is wild like when I got to the hospital they never like cleaned me off fully. Like I was in the hospital for for a week and they didn't like, they didn't really do anything to get to, to like pick the glass out. So after I got home and then like months later, I had, uh, I had these closed over wounds that had glass in them. Dude, I picked a piece of glass, a big chunk of glass out of your arm with a screw like four months later. Yeah. And a a screw we did not sanitize. And then, and and so I would get these pains, (laughs) I'd get these pains in my elbow and now you have tetanus and they'd be really, really sharp, sharp pains. And I go, Oh my God, what is that? And I'd start picking at it and I could, you probably still have glass in there. Yeah. And, 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 and every so often I still feel like a sharp pain and I go, Oh, that's a piece of glass that's in there somewhere. And like, it was months and months later, I was still kind of digging around and picking out glass. Like, did you, did you have any, uh, did you have any glass kicking around that you were like <laughs> a month later? You're like, Oh yeah, look at that. Yeah. I was so at the hospital, they soaked my hands in water and then my skin like was swollen around where the glass was. So they took out like the larger pieces when that happened. And then I think I was at the dentist a while later and he pulled a glass piece of glass out of my cheek. Oh, yeah. And my dentist removed some stitches for me too, that they forgot. Like, did he charge? Did they, did they charge you? I mean, it wasn't on the bill. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) What, what did your dentist? Hit it in the was bill. your dentist like, what is happening here? What why, happening? why do you why why do you have glass in your cheek and why do you have stitches that should have been removed that weren't? Did you have to explain that? 
No, I think it's actually like a pretty common thing because they say that stitches are going to dissolve and then they don't. And then (laughs) your body like scabs over them, but it's just like a wound that continues to like try and heal itself, but it can't because there's a foreign body there. Mm -hmm. Oh God. Yeah. So, so you, how how much time do you spend in the hospital after, after the accident? So it was wild. Apparently I was pretty argumentative after my accident because I was like, I'm fine. Like, I just want to go home. Nothing happened. I was obviously like hyped up on adrenaline. I didn't feel anything at the time. They didn't even put a C collar on me and I had a spinal fracture. So that was pretty bad. Um, I was in the hospital for like overnight. They took out the glass. They sent me home. They're like, tomorrow you're not going to feel well. And I was like, okay. They're like, yeah, just follow up with your family doctor. Everything will be great. So I went home. The next morning, I felt like I had been hit by a truck. Like I tried to get out of my bed and could not. Um, My brother came and took me to my family doctor. And they were like, oh, like here's some naproxen, which is essentially a leave. Like it's a very standard painkiller. And they were like, they told my brother, they're like, make sure she drives today so that she's not traumatized. And my brother was like, okay, like that seems weird, but sure. So we did a little lap around the block and then I went back to bed. That's wild. Whoa. That is wild. I can't believe Whoa. they didn't put a collar on you. I mean, no, no. that that's like, that I thought was like one of kind the of most standard, standard things yeah. where they just go, you were in an accident. We don't want to, even if it, even if, even if you're in a type of accident where they don't, where there's no reason for them to believe that you might have a, a neck injury. Yeah, I mean, she was up walking around, you know, at the scene. Yeah, and and like, you're just kind of supposed to. And and the reason, one of the reasons that I know of, I'm sure there's many, but one of the reasons is because if you have what you had, <laughs> mm-hmm. then you can nick, uh, you you can you can nick an, uh, I don't know if it's an artery or if it's a or if it's a if it's an yeah. essential vein, and you can have a stroke really easily. Well, your brain stem stem ends just before C four, so like I came very close to being paralyzed or a vegetable, like not myself. Like there are so many things that can go wrong there. Now I know Whoa. that you also um, sustained a pretty severe concussion mm-hmm. due to the accident. And with that knowledge, it also seems a bit off to me that one of the first things that they instruct you to do the day after getting a fucking yeah. major concussion is to be like, Hey, get behind the wheel. Like get, get yeah. it, start like driving a car fit to drive. At yeah. All. No shit. So I followed up with a sports medicine specialist um, a couple weeks later because I was just not feeling well. I was sleeping like 16 hours a day. I wasn't eating. I constantly had a headache. I was exhausted. Like no amount of sleep would make me feel better. I was just always falling asleep. Um, and he was like, yeah, so you have a super severe concussion. He sent me for x-rays. They're like, yeah, you have a spinal fracture that is healing correctly, thankfully. Um, but no one did anything about it. And I started physiotherapy. I went for a neurooptometric exam and they found that I had like very little peripheral vision. I had absolutely no depth perception, which is obviously important for driving. So that was the end of driving for a while. Um, and then I started going to rehab for my eyes and my head. What, Wait, what does that exam look like? You see, you said a neuro, uh, a what? 
it's called a neurooptometric exam. Um, so it's kind of, they start off with the same things that you would do when you go to the eye doctor, you have to read random letters on different lines. Um, and then they do the test that I remember the most was they hold something in front of you and then it comes at you rapidly like a pencil. And the first time they did that, I vomited. Like Whoa. it came sort of close to me and I just like, I threw up. My eyes could Whoa. not focus on it. I just like, I panicked and I threw up and they were like, okay, let's try again. And then it got Whoa. a little bit closer to me and then the same thing happened. And then we kept going for a while and they were like, okay, so you need a lot of vision therapy. Um, and they made me do a lot of the same things that like you would think of in elementary school, like writing words and tracing lines. And right. they actually told me to get an adult coloring book. And you can see from when I started, like I was not coloring in the lines at all. Wow. And then I improved as the book went on. Whoa. Man, these concussions are just like, concussions are so scary because there's such a crazy spectrum of of how severe it can be and it, and, 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 and the long-term effects of them. And it's, it doesn't even need to be sometimes like a crazy impact. Uh, yeah. I, we had our friend Sherry on the show years ago talking about a concussion. She, 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 walked she, into she, was, a brick she wall. was looking at her phone and walked into a wall yeah. and yeah. she didn't work for months. Yeah. 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 I, you were, she walked into a brick wall you were in a car that flipped over and over and a shovel hit you in the head. Like two very different yeah, yeah. <laughs> experiences. Danny, I, I've been, I've been dying to ask you um, about the, the date, like how that Tinder Same. date was going, because um, I, I can imagine that if, <laughs> if it was going well and you really, you're really excited to see this person, but then all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're in a car accident. It was a, it was a second date. So I assumed it was good enough that like, you wanted to see this person again. Like what happened? Yeah. What happened with the date? So that was pretty fucked up. My car landed like upside down in the ditch. All my stuff was gone. Like purse out the window, phone gone. Like I had nothing. So I flagged down a random stranger on the side of the road who stopped to help me. Uh, like quite a few cars had actually gone by. One of them even gave me the finger. They were like, no fuck off. And I was like, I'm not standing on the side of the highway for fun. Like, yeah. why do you think I'm here next to my <laughs> fully fucked car? Yeah. <laughs> well, you couldn't see my car at all. It was so uh, far off the road and it was upside down and it was at nighttime. So like the bottom of the car is black. Yeah. I mean, fuck you though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be yeah. fair though, that, to be fair, I bet a lot of people would drive, if they just saw some person on the side of the highway in the dark and you couldn't see the car, I can understand why people drive sure. by. Yeah. So this You could have been a serial killer. Really? I mean, I've picked up hitchhikers before. You so look like I'm a serial killer. Stuff. That's definitely where I'd go if I wanted to murder someone on the side yeah. of the 407. Same. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, this random man stopped, thankfully, to help me. And he was like, do you want to use my phone? Like, do you want to call anyone? So I called my dad, which is interesting because I had no memories after my accident. Like, I lost everything. I didn't know my address. I didn't know my phone number. Oh, wow. They had to, like, tell me my middle name. Like, I just couldn't remember anything. But I remembered my dad's phone number. So I called him. And then I was like, do you mind if I go in your Facebook so I went on Facebook and found the person that I went on the second date with and shot him a message because he was actually going to my house too. So he was about to arrive at my house and I was obviously not there. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I live on a corner 
and my driveway is not on the street that it is supposed to be on. Like it's on the street that it intersects with anyways. So he went to my neighbor's house actually, and they were having a party and he was like, why would she invite me over when there's like a party going on? And then figured out that it was my house and saw this message from like this random person. And I was like, Hey, I've been in an accident, blah, blah, blah. And he actually drove to the hospital and he met my dad at the hospital. Oh, that's very sweet. That's very sweet. That's amazing. We've heard, we've definitely heard way closer relationships, like very post second date relationships where people are not that not even that considerate yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, well we ended up dating for almost four years after that and he lived here so wow oh my god that's such a i mean you know it sounds like you're not together anymore but what a great what a great what a great story what a great story yeah that it ends up being a relationship that lasts so back to the concussion thing i mean like taylor said we we had we had talked about concussion uh concussions Syndrome, or I guess like post concussion syndrome. Post concussion syndrome. Yeah, yeah, that that was ages ago. Um, and and I actually I I don't quite remember very much about like what what concussions entail and like how severe concussions can be. What did you learn about um that? Like, what did you learn about concussions? How do concussions affect people? What are the what are the like the future ramifications of something like a concussion? Yeah. So concussions are cumulative and I was a border cross athlete before. So I had knocked my head quite a few times. Um, so this was, I think my fourth severe concussion and, you know, every time they happen, they get worse. So this time I have no memory of what happened, you know, between the time that the paramedics got there. And I don't think I remember I remember bits and pieces from the hospital, but I don't really remember that much until I came home. Like I don't have solid memories of what happened, which is common. Apparently for the like first 24 hours after your head gets hit, there's often like missing gaps of time. Um, And then concussions are interesting because they affect people in really different ways. Like Mm -hmm. I had no depth perception. So like if I went to go pick up a glass of water, I would end up pouring it all over myself because... I would start tipping it before I got to my mouth. Um, I lost a lot of my memory. So I was in third year university at the time. First and second year were gone. I wow. had no idea what happened. Um, I was falling asleep <laughs> all the time. Like little things would exhaust me. I remember I was working at a retail store and I was doing orders and I would just fall asleep on the desk. Whoa. And I would wake up a couple hours later and like all the lights were off and people were like, Shh, leave her alone. She's okay. Oh my God. It's like, uh, do, do you get a, you know, I, I've, I've had, um, I've had a bunch of, of concussions from playing hockey and, and I, and I always look back on that now thinking I, that I really, I kind of like escaped clean in the way that I never had one that, that really fucked me up. But in the cumulative sense, it is also in the back of my mind now that if I were to get one now, I probably wouldn't be so lucky because they, they add on top of each other. Do you feel like the, the concussions that you had experienced before, were they sort of like that? Like the, like the, Oh, you knocked your head, give it a week and come back if you feel okay. Or did you have symptoms like post concussion symptoms in your previous concussions as well? 
The first one that I had, I actually was leaving to go snowboarding and I closed the back of the car on my head. So that was fully my fault, nothing to do with snowboarding. Um, And I snowboarded that day and then went to the doctor the next day because I was like, my head really hurts. And they're like, yeah, so you have a concussion, just chill for a week and you'll be fine. Um, And then the next one, I think I fell racing. I hit my head. And they were like, you know, take a couple of weeks off, relax, not a big deal. The one after that, I was, it was during a race. I was on a roller and I jumped, landed funny. And I don't remember anything that happened. I woke up in the ambulance. Oh, wow. I, I, I was, uh, just cause you're talking about snowboarding and uh, this is the last concussion that I had was snowboarding. And I <laughs> was, uh, we were at Revelstoke and we, nice. we, the, it was like really early season. So like top of the bowl was super deep powder. And then just like midway down the mountain was like very little snow. And there was this run that when we were taking in the chairlift up, you could tell like it wasn't filled in. And there was these like ruts that were running like kind of like diagonally across the, the run. Um, and, and, you know, we were all looking at that going like, make note, don't come down here. Mm-hmm. And we're doing this, we're, we're, we're doing like a tree run. We're, we're, we're. Let me guess, you came out right there. Came out right there and came out at speed. And then before I we realized that we're on this section, I see one of these ruts that's like cutting across. And it was like probably like three feet deep and and running right across and probably a few feet wide. Coming up to it, try to bunny hop over it. Don't have it in time. Hit the face of my board on like the wall of this like, sort of like mini half pipey sort of thing smashed my knees into my face uh chipped like a dozen teeth and my mouth is bleeding and i am and at the time and and i'm just going i you know everybody huddles around me and like are you okay and you know we've only got a few days on the mountain so uh brian's brother dennis who i'm with and our other friend john they're like yeah so cool you can find your way to the hospital Oh my God. And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. And I, that, that journey from where I was to the bottom of the mountain was like the most dangerous thing I've ever done. Hands down. (laughs) Yeah. You definitely should have called ski patrol and not done that. I I know. I know. Right. But like, you're just not, you're not in, in, yeah. You're not in a frame of mind. Like make like your decision-making capability is, so, so compromised and you are, and, and luckily it wasn't a bad concussion in the way that it, like it didn't follow me, but like in that moment, you're just so, <laughs> you don't know what yeah, to do. Yeah, like you know? if my car had been fine, I probably would have driven home and yeah. continued my date. Like I felt totally fine in that moment. Oh, man. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. 
Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. How long did the symptoms of this concussion last for you? Um, almost two years. And then I still have some lasting concussion symptoms. Like I have timed breaks from my computer. I can't look at screens for too long. I went to grad school for geospatial mapping, which I love, but it's not something that I can spend hours doing. Like those types of minute tasks are so hard on my head and my eyes that I was like, this is just not going to be for me. Oh, wow. Uh, the oh, brain, no. like the brain is such a crazy thing when it gets injured. Did you, did you, as, as you go forward and you've got these symptoms, like, did you have to work? Um, did you have to work with like a specialist or, or did you have any like therapy, um, like physical or mental around, uh, around like how to go about, um, navigating the tasks of your life in relationship to the, 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 the things that you have to deal with now? Yeah. So I'm super hardheaded and stubborn. And I, at first was like, I'm fine. I want to go back to school. Went back to school lasted a month was failing all of my classes and then had to drop out. Um, and then after that, I started, you know, some intense physiotherapy. I went to go see someone who specializes in concussions. I was there three times a week for two or three hours a day. And she would keep me there as long as I could stay conscious and last. And then as soon as I started to fade, she would send me home. I was also doing vision therapy at the time. Um, so I was, you know, drawing and coloring books and there was an eye doctor watching me and she was bringing things towards my face. I was looking into things. They would have like lights flashing in my peripheral vision, waiting to see if I could see any of it. And for a long time, I could not. Um, thankfully most of that has come back. Is there a, like, was there a chance that it might not have? Like, is, is that, is the reason they're putting you through these tests because there's like, like some people just don't ever get those things back? Yeah. So the brain is like such a crazy thing and everything is so unique and case by case that they just really don't know how much you're going to regain. Like I think two years after my accident, I woke up one morning and remembered a formula that had been really important for my degree. And I was like, oh my God, I can calculate the adiabatic lapse rate of a rising air parcel. And it just like came to me one morning. Wow. What? I have no idea what that is. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you do. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad that there's somebody out there. <laughs> one thing, Denny, as you, you talk about this, um, this might be a dumb question, but uh, I had a couple of people in my life when I was, when I was coaching who had pretty serious concussions. And I remember I remember specifically uh, one of them was experiencing really bad post-concussion syndrome symptoms and uh, had gone to the doctor to see a doctor a couple times. And the doctor had said that they, you know, all the tests are coming back that they're fine. And now this is becoming, um, it's like a psychological trauma that's happening and the doctor was recommend that, re- recommending that we as like the coaches and her parents in her life actually pushed her to fight through those feelings of those symptoms because as the doctor said, they weren't actually 
quote unquote real. Um, have what, you heard? Like, what were these symptoms? Like, were they symptoms of like, like lethargy mood, and mood and type stuff? Some emotional stuff, and um, yeah, like mostly like a, like a, around a lack of energy, right. and and also um, some of it was around uh, like experiencing uh, a bit of like a depression, right? As well, yeah. Um, you definitely get depressed when you're stuck at home you can't do anything they're telling you you can't exercise and like I was someone who loved going to the gym I loved snowboarding I loved being outside with my dog Mm. I couldn't even walk my dog like they didn't Mm. want me holding the leash in case something happened Mm. yeah the the reason like in asking this question and thinking about that this is my memory of what was happening but I also I I'm I'm feeling sort of torn in asking this question because I realized that like, I don't want to, I don't want to put the wrong idea in somebody's head that like, if somebody's experiencing post concussion syndrome symptoms, that those aren't real because they are very real as, as you've highlighted for us already. But have you ever heard that of, of this experience of like the brain tricking you into thinking that some of the symptoms that you're not in your case, but, um, have you heard of that and doing any research around concussions? I have heard of that. I don't think that that necessarily happened to me. However, I do have PTSD from my accident. So there was a whole host of symptoms that I experienced that they said were the PTSD rather than the post-concussion syndrome. What were those symptoms? Like how did the, how did the PTSD manifest? So I wasn't really sleeping at all. I was having night terrors. I kept having flashbacks. Every time I got in the car, I'd have a panic attack. Um, I wasn't able to like plan anything that involved driving somewhere because I was so anxious about getting into a car. Mm. It can be, um, it, it can be, um, very, very worrisome. Um, once when you get in, a, in an accident that like e- even before you know that you have symptoms of PTSD, like thinking or be, or being worried that you will. I, I had that experience where I was worried that I wouldn't want to get back on my bike, <clears throat> which is such a huge part of my life. So I was very concerned about that. And I saw a therapist, I saw a therapist like pro, uh, prophylactically in, because I, I wanted to, I was going, if I, if I am experiencing that, I really, I'm not even sure if I would know. I don't know if I would be able to recognize those symptoms within myself. So I went to see a therapist and just like really enjoyed the, enjoyed the process of digging into myself to see if that was happening. Um, just as a way of going, Hey, you, you're somebody with a, you're somebody who's gone to school for a very long time to, 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 to know about this and to, and just to chat through things and figure out whether, whether there was things happening in my mind and my brain in relation to my accident that I didn't understand. Did like what? What was that for you? Like, what was that discovery for you? I know you mentioned the symptoms, but what what was it? Was it talking to a therapist? Was it your own recognition of the symptoms and going, "Oh, I'm starting to connect the dots for myself"? Or how did that work it work itself out? I honestly think that for about two years after my accident, I was not myself. I was kind of a zombie. I was going through like emotions of life, but I wasn't fully there. And I was clinging on to a lot of things that made me happy in the moment because I couldn't do the things that I loved. 
Um, I did go to therapy. I saw several different therapists. Unfortunately, I never found one that I really vibed with, I guess, like Mm -hmm. finding a therapist is such a process and being able to get comfortable with someone and telling them your story. It wasn't actually until last year that I would say that I could comfortably talk about my accident without crying. Like I would Mm. just break down into tears and that was it. I couldn't talk about it. And was it, was it the work with the therapist? Oh, sorry. Sorry. You said you never found it. So how did you, how did you, where did that shift for you that you found that you were able to start speaking about it? Was it something that you just kind of gradually became comfortable with or was there a moment that, that kind of clicked? Um, I think my friends really pushed me to talk more about it. They pushed me to keep trying, seeing different therapists. My dog has done so much for me. Um, She's actually a therapy dog now as a result of my accident. She works with um, adults with developmental disabilities at the Rena Foundation. Um, And she is task trained. So she can cue my panic attacks. She wakes me up from my night terrors. Oh. So I rely on her for quite a few things. Whoa. That oh is the sweetest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Therapy dogs, dogs in general are amazing. Therapy how, dogs are insane. How did you um, come into like learning about therapy dogs and getting your dog to be a therapy dog? Um, I went to the hospital one day. I wasn't feeling very well and there was a therapy dog <laughs> program there. And I love dogs. I've been an animal lover my entire life. I work in the pet industry now. Um, so I was so drawn to this dog and as I'm sitting there petting this dog, the handler is, you know, asking you general questions like, Oh, why are you at the hospital? Like just trying to make small talk. And it's so much easier to open up when you have a distraction or something Mm. that you love in front of you. And like dogs just have such a calming presence. Um, and I really saw the value in that. So I wanted to do that with my own dog. And what's the process for that? Like, is it a long training process to, you know, like the, the fact that your dog can tell if you're having a night terror and wakes you up, that's amazing. Like how, how long would yeah. it take me to train Donut to do that? <laughs> so Hallie actually started doing that on her own. Um, and then we had a trainer come in just to reinforce some of that behavior. Um, but, you know, the first time she did it, I was like, stop pawing at me, like leave me alone. And then the flashback happened and I was like, oh, were you trying to tell me something? And then it just kept happening. Uh, I love that. I love that. Jerry, you should teach your dog to remind you at nighttime to uh, use your CPAP machine. (laughs) Yeah, because you got sleep apnea. Oh, stop it. You got it. You don't don't have night terrors because you don't actually get deep enough sleep. (laughs) (laughs) You never get into REM sleep. No, no. See, Donut cuddles up next to me. And now I do get REM sleep. <laughs> right for the first time in 33 That's years. That's right. That's why I'm so... See, Donut's already a therapy dog. He's How doing it. He sleep. Yeah, look, at this, look at this little mop on, just, on the he's, table. He's being a therapy dog right now. It's keeping so sweet. me calm. Um, uh, what, I mean, what do the... Can we talk about the night terrors for a moment? Like, what, what, did, that, yeah. what did that look like? Uh, uh, we, uh, night terrors was another thing that we talked about on the show, but it was, it was so long ago. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, is that like, it's more than just a bad dream, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I have a night terror, usually I'm, you know, drenched in sweat. I'm having a very vivid dream. I often have, you know, different 
accidents playing in my head. And then the same thing will happen each time, which is the flashback that I always experience of the car crashing down onto the on-ramp and then flipping. Um, And usually after that, I will wake up. But if the dream keeps going, like if nobody wakes me up, then the car will just keep rolling. Oh my god! It never stops. Man, night terror. I want to. I want to apologize for asking about the video in the beginning and getting and asking you to send us a a copy of that. But um, but I'm I'm curious. I am curious, like knowing that you, um, that feeling about not wanting to see that, but having like your night terrors being this sort of vivid um, recollection of of the car flipping. Do you feel like, I guess maybe this is a dumb question too, but like, do you see that there would be any benefit in like actually looking at the video or using that with a therapist to kind of go through that and process it? I don't know. Maybe one day, like I still don't feel that I have the headspace to Mm. swallow that and see it because I've seen it so many times in my head and all my flashbacks are that my night terrors surround that. Like that moment is just, has been so impactful in my life and so mm. terrifying that I don't know. Mm. I'm not ready to watch it yet. Yeah. I mean, Brian's been, Brian hasn't told his therapist this yet, but he's, he's been, he, he's been kind of like taking notes and, and kind of like, like in like discreetly shadowing his therapist so that he <laughs> can, without a license and um, without a degree can <laughs> offer up therapeutic advice <laughs> for people such as, watching the video of their car crash. The the thing the the truth is is that I actually don't I don't feel the need to like go into a whole backstory of why I'm asking the the questions first, but the reason why I was asking that question is because uh I know that they're using virtual reality to treat PTSD in mm-hmm. uh in war veterans. Yeah. Um by having them go through and ex- Go go it. through the exposure of it with a gu- with a therapist as a mm-hmm. guide because it's shown to be very beneficial. Yeah, um, exposure therapy is super popular, and a lot of people, especially with PTSD, say that it's really helpful and helps them move on. But yeah. I think but you, you have, have, to be, to be have to be ready. In a place. Yeah, yeah. Totally, you totally, got to be ready is, for it. Yeah, yeah they, which is why I was asking the question. Are they still are they still symptoms that persist today that you deal with? Yeah. So if I look at my computer for too long, like if I don't time myself, I will get dizzy. Um, the lights in the subway, like the fluorescent lights flashing as the train moves will make me vomit. Like I need to sit down. Um, and you know, living with an invisible illness like that, like people don't understand why I have to sit on the subway train. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm standing or if I give up my seat for someone else, I'm going to fall over and faint and you're going to have to pull the alarm and it's not going to be good for you. Yeah. Um, I have a question that's been uh, stewing uh, for me for the last 15 minutes or so is, and and I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but I'm curious if you do, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you have some sort of thought on it anyway. So you as an athlete who from their, from their sport has had concussions um, and now having had a severe concussion that, has, you know, lasting symptoms that you deal with, you know, years afterwards. Um, I was having, I was having a conversation with my partner a few weeks ago about, um, I was watching, I was watching a UFC, uh, a UFC card, um, 
And you know, if you're man, familiar, what those UFC fighters do to each other is crazy. Totally, totally, Nuts. totally crazy. And so a, a UFC card is like, you know, in total in the night, there's a prelim card and then there's a main card in total. There's like 10 fights. And so it's like one after the other. And, and I was kind of in the kitchen making something and Kyle was on the couch <laughs> and, and she was kind of watching little pieces of it. And she said something to the effect of like, this is crazy. I can't believe this is allowed because mm-hmm. they're just punching each other in the head. And, and I they said, don't yeah. stop until someone gets knocked out. Right. Oftentimes, <laughs> and, yeah. And it's, and it's clearly bad for the brain. And so, and, and I said, but well. good for business. Good for, and very good for business. And I, I said something to the effect of like, yeah, that's an interesting, it's, it is interesting that it is something that we're allowed to engage in, um, like a sanctioned, um, you know, con- concussion match, essentially. Um, but then I was like, well, there's also, I mean, every sport or a lot of sports that you don't really connect with, like the brutality and the violence that like the UFC has, for example, um, have really big head trauma consequences or they can hockey, Mm -hmm. football. I mean, any contact sport, but even like soccer, concussions are really prevalent in soccer from heading the ball because, you know, the pros make it look easy, but that ball is hitting your head at an insane speed and you are smashing it with your head and concussions are really really prevalent. I still play soccer and I, I just avoid heading the ball uh, because it's not worth it. Totally. Right. Because when you look at it, it looks like, Oh, they just headed the ball into the net, but it is smashing your head. Like, probably worse. If I had a a, a hard soccer ball, it feels, I feel dizzy after for like 30 seconds. And it's probably worse than someone punching Punching you in the head. head. Yeah. Arguably. I don't know, but (laughs) so, so then, so then the conversation kind of went into like, where do you draw, where do you, if, if that is the case and you think that we shouldn't, you know, be having head trauma, like where do you draw the line with, where do you draw the line? Like, where do you say, you know, is there no heading in soccer? Is there no hitting in hockey, et cetera, et cetera. And and I'm not saying it is one way or the other, but like, how do you reflect on sport and having been a part of a sport that, you know, where you can really easily hit your head. Like, what are your feelings around sport and head trauma? Because it's become such a massive conversation over the last handful of years. Yeah, like, I I don't know. I've never been a UFC fan. I cannot watch people beat each other up until they get knocked out. That's just a wild concept to me. And it's mind-boggling that people find that entertaining. <laughs> um But, you know, doing something that you love, like snowboarding, there's always going to be risks and you can take precautions, like wear a helmet, obviously is very important. And a lot of athletes should do baseline concussion testing so that they have something to go against after Mm. you've hit your head, which is not something I had ever done. Mm. But I think they do a lot of that in hockey, which is great. That's, you know, something that they can use to help make sure that people that are injured are not going back on the ice and making things worse for themselves. Um, but there are lots of other crazy sports too. Like I used to play rugby and it's like football with no protection. Yeah. People hit mm. their heads all the time. Yeah, it, it is. It's crazy when you think about, when you think about sports and soccer is one that stands out to me that like, you don't really think about head trauma with soccer, but it's so prevalent. And that's the, you know, that's the case for a ton of stuff. And, and it is, I still haven't seen it, but I know that the movie concussion when it came out, was like a catalyst for the NFL to be like, mm. 
holy because it was a it was basically a a it was basically a, a critique of the NFL and that the NFL had just for so long swept under the rug that it was, you know, in, there was empirical evidence that people were were getting brain injuries and then becoming like violent mm-hmm. in their later years because of something like CTE and these yeah. and repetitive brain injuries. So it's a really, I don't know, I just find it like a kind of a fascinating topic and like how do you, how do you get it? How do you minimize it without changing a sport or changing what makes the sport fun? I I want to I want to bring things back to the PTSD. Um, you you had mentioned that in terms of like the con- post concussion syndrome uh, symptoms that you still to this day are dealing with. Um, mm-hmm. What about the PTSD? Are you you know I know in your application you'd said you know it's five years, you know for the past five years. Um, or sorry, five years later, you 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 feel a lot better, um, but are you still struggling with the PTSD uh, in terms of you know your mental health, um, in terms of the way that you go about your day? You know, you had mentioned that there's still some fear around like planning things with getting in cars and stuff like that. Like on a day to day basis, how how is your PTSD affecting your life? So it definitely is not as impactful as it once was, which is great. There are a lot of, you know, coping mechanisms that I've put in place to help mitigate those symptoms. Um, But if I do spend a long time in the car, like my mom recently moved to Montreal, which is a five and a half hour drive from Toronto. And, you know, after spending those five and a half hours in the car, I find that the symptoms get much worse. And that's Mm. when I'll start to have the night terrors again. And I'll kind of have to go back to square one and stop what I'm doing and make changes to my lifestyle so that I'm not putting myself in situations that really stress me out. Mm. And is it, is it having an effect on your, on your overall mental health? Like, you know, we were, we had mentioned earlier about things like depression and stuff like that. Like, do you, and I know that you had some like anxiety attacks in the past. Um, is that something that you still kind of navigate? So I was definitely depressed after my car accident, like not being able to do anything and having to lie in a bed all day long. Like can't look at your phone, can't look at a screen, can't do anything because it'll make you vomit is not fun. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm depressed anymore, but I definitely have to think about the way that things are going to affect me. Like I wouldn't just agree to driving to Montreal tomorrow. I would have to plan around that and think about how I can manage that drive. Mm. That leads me into my next question, which is, which is a two-parter. What would you say is the biggest thing that your concussion and, you know, everything that was a result of this accident, what would you say is the biggest thing that it's taken away from you? I don't think I'm as carefree as I once was. Like I was honestly quite reckless for a while. Like I would think nothing of being in the terrain park, jumping off something, spinning, no problem. Now I will bail on the jump half the time because I'm like, what if I hit my head? Mm -hmm. I have the confidence to do it. And then all of a sudden during, I'm like, nope, can't do it. Don't want to hit my head. Um, And it's also taken away my ability to go on spontaneous trips and, do fun things that might involve travel. Like even being on a bus or a train really still stresses me out. What would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? 
I think that it has given me perspective for sure, but it has also brought me so much closer to my friends and family. I was so independent before this, and it's really taught me that I need to rely on the people that are close to me. I didn't have a great relationship with my brother before my accident, and we're super close now, which is great. Mm. Um, And it's also brought, you know, a lot of my friends a lot closer to me, which is wonderful. And it also, you know, got you a dog that's real well trained up. You know? <laughs> well, I had Hallie before the accident. She was already my pet dog. <laughs> but now she's like super dog, you know? Now, yeah. Now she's waking you up in your in your night terrors. I mean, who wouldn't want that in a dog? And it brought you here. That's right. Yeah, which <laughs> is pretty go. great. Yeah. And it's always like, oh, yeah. is that her? Is that her in the background there? Yeah, she just can't. She heard her name. Oh, Hello. good girl. Hallie. I think that's yeah. something when you ask that question that like I've never fully thought about that that we get to do this all the time and meet <laughs> really cool people with really interesting stories and sort of, you know, us and all of our guests get to be like this example for people to to open up and talk about stuff that is, has been like shitty in their lives and has, you know, affected them in really big and profound ways and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But if all of that hard shit didn't happen, then we wouldn't get to have these conversations and we wouldn't Mm. get to meet these people and, and then people wouldn't get to hear the stories. And anyway, I, I haven't, I haven't really connected with that thought before. So Thank you. Yeah, and honestly, like listening to all of these people tell their amazing stories on the podcast helped me talk about what happened to me. Like, hmm. if any of the therapists that I talk to hear this episode, they're going to be shocked. Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, sweet. Oh, that's good to know. Like, wow, what like, progress wow, that really none up. of us were really a part of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Danny, I got to say, this has been a real treat to to sit down with you and to hear your story and. Uh, and we're, we're rooting for you, you know, obviously like I, I, my fingers are crossed and hope that as you, as you grow and as you, as you transition and evolve through life, that these symptoms will get fewer and, and further between one another. And, um, we really do appreciate you taking time out of your night tonight to sit down and, and chat with us. Thank you. I wish I could be there with you guys, but, uh, it was so nice to be able to talk to you and see your faces rather than just hear your voices in my headphones. Well, next time we're in the GTA, uh, yeah, we'll, be sure to, we'll be sure to hit you up. We'll, we'll send a car to next to, time we're rolling to pick through you up so you don't have to drive Thornhill. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wait, how, how far is Thornhill from, from Toronto? Like four, 30 minutes? Do you know where Finch station is? Yeah. It's like five minutes from there. So just outside of Toronto. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Danny. This has been really fun. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, folks, that was our conversation with Danny. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back again on Wednesday and, of course, on Friday with our Feel Good Friday episode. Um, In the meantime... If you want to support the podcast, you can do that by leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can hit the follow button on Spotify, or if you're watching our Friday episodes on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and hit the bell icon and leave a comment below uh, the last video you watched. We want to know your thoughts. Speaking of knowing your thoughts, 
If you would like to share anything with us, you can always write us letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show like Danny was today, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and fill out the future guest form. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we read every one of those, uh, those applications that come in. And we're slowly chipping away at the 2,000 people waiting on that list to be, uh, to be on the show. So if you want to be one of those 2,000, send on an application. Well, folks, uh, that is it for this week. It, Sick Boy Podcast is brought to you by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, Taylor McGilvery, Sound Designs by Donovan the Meerkat Morgan. The podcast is produced, um, nope, the podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis. And the theme music, of course, on Mondays is the band Take Part. Like I said, that is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.